Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Today, I bring to you the maker of the Mass of the Ages documentary film series about our beloved TLM, Mr. Cameron. Cameron O'Hearn, how are you doing, sir? Uh, good. Thanks for having me on. You know, uh, I enjoy being on your show so much that maybe we should, you know, get together regularly and call it CMT. What do you think? <laughs> nice. What do you think nice. about that? We're both... We're both in the Southish, so <laughs> that would be hip, and it would be uh, perhaps usable enough for for country music television to get us some real views. For once. oh yeah, country music. Oh CMT, no C and T, like CMT. Oh C and T. I was like CMT. Well, well, then if people <laughs> accidentally turn that on, then we'll uh, we'll push these views right into six figures. Uh, yeah, CMT. I like it, man. And and it was it could have been CJ and T. Oh, uh, Jake. But if, if but Jake Jake isn't here today, so you are one of two filmmakers, uh, Cameron and Jake, Jake and Cameron. Well, there's well, there's many of us on our team now. There's more than just me. Many more. Yeah, and and um, one bit of news, semi recent at least, is Margot of the Ages joined your team. Yes, of of social media fame. Yeah, she's uh, she's our assistant executive assistant and social media sultan connoisseur so she she organizes things and she's just a servant so she comes in and solves problems just before this interview i asked her hey can you find a list of bishops um that have you know reacted in a certain way towards traditionalist custodis and she got it in like two minutes so she she's excellent to be fair, if it's the list of bishops that reacted favorably, then it's a very short list. So, <laughs> but but I'm not saying Margot doesn't do great work. I, I disagree with that. It's actually a, a big list. Is it? Okay. Do do tell. We look, Parish Orphans <laughs> of Retrogrades today. Uh Cameron is here to do precisely what we're doing now. Some banter, some specific updates, uh, one or two really incisive bits of news from his end of the world and the Latin mass in general but but do tell cameron how how big is that list of pro tlm american bishops so we um you know after tradition as custodes we're all devastated uh it was hard not to be discouraged but um we you know we just stood back and let kind of the reality present itself let's see what bishops are actually going to do with this new motor proprio and if you go to traditionuscustodes.info I don't know who's behind this website, but it it catalogs the public responses of bishops towards uh, the TLM. So what are they doing in their dioceses? And like we revealed in our announcement video yesterday, um, you know, we're going to double Latin masses, that video. Um, about 70% of bishops have not restricted any Latin masses. So um, now we we chose our wording carefully. It's not that seventy percent of dioceses don't have restrictions because that's not true. That most most bishops have been saying, okay, you know, you still need permission to celebrate it, so you can't just have a priest start celebrating Latin Mass willy nilly. But seventy percent of dioceses have not suppressed any Latin masses, and you know, there. What what I was really surprised by is bishops actually invoking canon 87 which um for those of you who don't know here here's what canon 87 says so you think of traditionus custodis okay the pope has spoken here's a universal decree well here's what canon 87 says 
a diocesan bishop, whenever he judges that it contributes to their spiritual good, is able to dispense the faithful, faithful from universal and particular disciplinary laws issued for his territory or his subjects by the supreme authority of the church. So this is in line with what Vatican II says in Lumen Gentium. It says, nor are the bishops to be regarded as vicars of the Roman pontiff, for they exercise an authority that is proper to them and are heads of the people whom they govern. So there's this principle of subsidiarity over a bishop and his diocese. And it. of yeah. the bishops in America, we've been able to find so far 10 of them <laughs> that have invoked Canon 87 and saying like, status quo business as usual in my diocese. Um, I can list them, but yeah, there's 10 examples we found so far of-, of Can you list those? Doing this. I'd like to hear who the usual- yeah, so, um, so these bishops have invoked Canon 87 in their official response. That doesn't mean that they are dispensing the faithful from every one of these, you know, restrictions, but they, they have invoked the Canon to dispense from one or all of them. So it's Bishop Vasquez of Austin, Bishop Kinnaman of Biloxi, Bishop Mulvey of Corpus Christi, Bishop Aquila of Denver, Bishop Provost of Lake Charles, Bishop Perez of Philadelphia, Bishop Sis of San Angelo, Bishop Vasa of Santa Rosa, Bishop Paprocki of Springfield, Bishop Kem of Wichita. Yeah, and that's that's 10. Oh, I've so specifically not, mentioned Canon 87. Not Strickland. I, I'm surprised. Well, Strickland has, um, I, to, to our knowledge, he hasn't mentioned Canon 87. These are just, I mean, Bishop Strickland is of the Green Dioceses where it is he's not restricting any Latin masses, but these 10 bishops have specifically invoked Canon 87. You guys figure if you called them the green dioceses, Pope Francis might look favorably on them and uh, <laughs> leave them alone or something. You know, the funny thing is Biloxi is where we sometimes go. We have two Latin masses that are almost equident, equidistant to us. And the one is St. St. Pat's in New Orleans, which we consider our home parish. And the other one is in Bay St. Louis, which is under that bishop. So I did not know that he, we don't actually have to cross state lines when we, we, we stay in Mississippi when we go to that particular Latin mass. So that's, that's good to hear. Look, man, um, a couple things. First off, you got a lot. You got a lot today, and I, I want to let you get it all, all out. First off, we are going to be hit with national news making inclement weather here so if a as jake says if a tornado hits me and in the middle of this video you just go right on you keep on keeping on and i will i will put on a brave face and i'll try to fight off the tornado that would make great tea. it would it would be a hell of a scene here. yeah please don't cut the feed if that happens because that would get you a lot of views Sure. That would, and I'm trying not to. I would probably turn the camera around and become a storm chaser. Guys, like in his truck, following a tornado. the entire theme of the show. And and then do that from then on. Probably not, but I might do that for uh, as a one time kind of deal. But if if the feed gets lost, it's not, you know, me storming off set after 27 minutes of filming, like so and so did yesterday. Uh, like Kanye, I mean, look, what we learned from yesterday 
speaking of everyone put on a brave face, with Milo, Fuentes, and Ye going on Tim Pool's show, what we learned is it's a lesson I'm very hard to, I'm hard of learning, like some people are hard of hearing. It's don't do studio banter before you turn on the camera because people, one, like to see that. Two, you get your best stuff the first time. You know, the second performance always feels put on. So if you talk about lots of great stuff, the way polite people do when they see each other, I haven't seen Cameron since I was out in Virginia. Um, you, A lot of times it feels rehashed. And also if someone storms out of the studio or whatever, because uh, uh, a delicate topic gets brought up, then you miss all of what you could have gotten before. Tim Pool said he had 90 minutes or so of really 75 minutes of great content beforehand me and cameron were just making jokes about cortados uh, yeah but the jokes were so good that if we tried to tell them now they would they would fall short for sure they would sound like dumb coffee jokes at this point (laughs) that's not what they were at the beginning but it is a family program so it's probably better that we kept the uh, cortado jokes to a minimum it's just a coffee joke people anyway so what we want to talk about today is everything related to the latin mass everything related to mass of the ages specifically Uh, Not the least of which is the third film in the series, which I'm excited about because, well, I'm in it. I'm excited about one and two as well. But you guys also have a newer project that that seems to be occupying a lot of your space. You let something drop yesterday. And I want you to talk about that in just a second. Last thing I have to get out there by way of housekeeping is people. You've been waiting for the bibliography of Case for Patriarchy, Ask Your Husband, because a lot of you want to skip buying the books and get the straight dope. Well, it's now on timothyjgordon.com. Tons of people have downloaded the free PDF. We're calling it Catholicism versus Feminism, just the sources. You can go download that free PDF. We're trying to make more and more stuff free to you all. If you want to make a small donation while you're there, it's strictly donative and it's unrelated to you downloading this PDF. But, But go get just the sources, Catholicism versus feminism, right now on timothyjgordon.com. Okay, Cameron, tell us what this video that dropped yesterday was all about, my friend. We uh, boldly announced that we're going to double Latin masses. <laughs> and, uh, that might sound <laughs> naive to some people. Um, we believe it's going to be the case, and it's not going to be a short-term fix. It's going to be a long-term uh, strategy, kind of a roadmap. Um, after... After episode two came out, uh, we took some time just to consider what the Lord might be doing with this movement, Um, not just Mass of the Ages, but the traditional Latin Mass movement. And something shocking uh, we discovered was that only 2% of practicing Catholics are attending a Latin Mass. So this is, um, it it might even be less. We give 2% as kind of a generous estimate. And this is of practicing Catholics. So the ones who are going to mass, you know, week after week, only 2% go to Latin mass. Okay. So, so how do we reach the 98%? And I I think what we're doing really well is marketing versus branding. So I want to explain the difference between marketing and branding. Marketing is like the features. It's like, we have a lot of books and a lot of articles and a lot of videos that explain features about the Latin mass. And we talk about the stuff of the Latin mass very well. 
and you can find great books on it. And these books and articles speak to the 2%. They speak to the people who are already in the doors attending Latin Mass. The 98% who aren't stepping foot inside a Latin Mass and experiencing the beauty in front of them, they their perception of the Latin Mass is the branding, is the feeling they get about it, the, the perception, the brand perception on the outside. The perception of the Latin Mass is very negative. Um, it, it's a big problem. It's what we're not doing very well. Mm. Arguably, it's the bad negative perception of the Latin Mass that led to Traditionis Custodis. There's people who make this case that it's a minority of people online who give a bad name for traditional Catholics. And Pope Francis says the you know, regarding the perception of the Latin Mass, it those who adhere to the 1962 Missal, this is in the letter attached to Traditionis Custodis. He says they're too often characterized by a rejection of Vatican II, and they set up a true church. Like we're the true church. Our investigations with Episode Three, the conversations we've had um, with Diane Montagna and others have shown that this is not actually the evidence on the ground, that most traditional Catholics are not rejecting Vatican II. They're not trying to set up a parallel church. They just love the traditional liturgy, and that's why they attend it. So yes. the problem is a brand perception. So, According to this narrative. I don't buy that narrative. Do you buy that no, narrative that, that no. Francis would have left us alone but if that, only there weren't so many you know, there, there are a lot of weirdos online, but that's oh, in all niches. Uh, that's, that's not the Latin mass would be picked on, I believe, by Francis, even without some online weirdos. The people that you meet at Latin mass are good people. Well, even if that is true, um, the bishops also have a perception about the Latin mass. That's true. Yeah. And the perception is largely negative. The Latin mass is seen as something that's um, filled with angry people who are resisting something versus uh, joy, joyful people who just have a zeal for the liturgy. You know, yeah. you can do a test by just go onto YouTube and search like Latin mass news or Latin mass Pope Francis or something. Yeah. And you'll find like thumbnails with ridiculous poses of Pope Francis, like, angry faces or whatever and then a traditional catholic like in the corner angry and he's in the shadows Th this is the perception most people have about the latin mass and and we need to change this perception you know no one's going to go to the latin mass if the perception is come come to the latin mass and be angry with us it's you know, fun though <laughs> i mean but i mean sure. to be fair francis always looks like that to be fair he, oh, he no, always no. looks pretty angry type in uh pope francis funny or pope francis laughing or you, there's there's some uh joy jovial pictures of him i'm doing um, it right now while you talk but we yeah we need to change this brand perception because right now the battleground is with bishops in their dioceses because pope francis has put the power back in their hands we need to win them over so that yes you know 70 percent of them have not restricted any latin masses we want that 70% to not only not restrict the Latin Mass, but to promote and protect the Latin Mass in their dioceses. You know, 
we want more than just 10 bishops invoking canon 87. Yeah. We want them to see the Latin Mass not as a resistant, angry thing, but as like episode one of Mass Ages showed. It's a solid foundation of faith for families who are hurting, for families who are, you know, striving to live out the Catholic faith. What bishop would want to take away this solid foundation of faith for this widow and these these orphans? Some would. Yeah, the few there are few who would still. Yeah, can we talk about that a little? I I think I think it would still be a, a large swath of bishops who would want to take it away. If they understood the proper stakes, the the uh, you know the recto ratio involved by the stakes of Latin Mass versus the Novus Ordo, and you know, I mean, I I did the debate pro on your channel, Cameron, with Tim Flanders, saying like, look, this is this is I think even an evil kind of act of bullying, but I don't think it's ultra vires to the Pope to control disciplines like this. I just think. I think an evil Pope would, would bully us like this. And um, so I'm the guy that's saying, I don't know, this isn't necessarily ultra vires, but at the same time, I think the Pope and a bunch of the bishops resent the Latin mass for what it actually is. A, you know, the Lexorandi. I'm not saying the Neovis Ordo ain't the Lexorandi, but, but the beautiful old traditional Lexorandi that really gets people on fire for the faith. So I, I think there are enough bad bishops in place that not all of their antipathy toward us Latin mass people can be reduced to some misunderstanding. I, I think a lot of it can be reduced to a proper understanding of what the Latin mass really is. What do you say? Well, if that's the case, then when Pope Francis gave them the power and told them that the Latin mass is a source of division, why did only 10% of them restrict the Latin mass in their dioceses. I think the reason that's a good point. That's a good the point. reason for that is because the bad bishops are politicians. They don't want to be perceived a certain way. So if they if they're told and the perception is the Latin mass is a bad thing and you're a hero for restricting it, then they will want to restrict it. If they're told I'm talking about the bad bishops who are just politicians, if they're told that the Latin mass is a beautiful thing, there's a lot of faithful Catholics who give you a lot of money in their collection baskets who uh, find a lot of spiritual fruit from the Latin Mass. And the world sees that, that the Latin Mass is a good thing. If that perception starts to change, even the bad bishops, um, the ones who are politicians, will not want to take that away because the perception would be you're an enemy of the good. And so the state on the ground right now is that I don't think the Latin Mass has a good brand perception. So that's kind of the the long term you know we're building something for not just tomorrow or next year but for our children's future we need to we need to change the perception around the latin mass from something negative and angry to something positive and life-giving angry isn't negative though i mean like who's this well, is where i agree but anger needs to be purified like yeah. purified yeah. into zeal like a virtue Anger is just a passion. It's just an emotion. But if, but it's also not an attractive emotion. I so, think it's very attractive. I mean, okay. Saint, I mean this is, I'm, I ain't trying to debate you, but St. Augustine, man, he says, hope has two, two uh, glorious daughters, uh, courage and anger. A- anger is really, 
I've always found anger attractive. Maybe I'm just disordered. Maybe okay. So an anger. So you could call it a righteous anger. An anger for a just cause. An anger for a good is attractive. But if you pair anger with other things like unhappiness, like we all know people who are just angry and unhappy, well, that's not attractive. I don't yeah. even care. Like, even yeah. if they're angry about something good, but they're always unhappy, like, why would I want the Kool Aid they're drinking if it yeah. just makes them unhappy all the time? Well, anger paired with uh, bad, ill fitting suits with dandruff on them, which <laughs> sometimes I see at the Latin Mass. You know, guys will be like, Tim, you're always so dressed down. Wear a suit. I was like, well, I don't wear a suit that many times per year, but when I do, it, it looks good. Like, I can't say that for everyone. So angry with like dandruff suit, you know, that, that, that's, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I, I get it a lot because I, I live, I live online in the TLM community. Um, so I'm with you. I'm with you. I just think, and I think that's a really strong point you made because obviously you've crunched these numbers that that's really compelling to say, well, if all, as many of the bishops are ideologically averse meaning idea fice, by, by way of a kind of animating principle to the Latin mass, rather than just being these corrupt, fruity, fruity politicians, then why did only one in 10 of them uh, take the adverse action that they did? So I, that, that's compelling. You, you flipped me right there. Awesome. And then are you going to uh, order a Cortado next time you're at a coffee shop, probably? You know, after we talked about Cortados, Said people like, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> I remembered I had one once at some alter. Was it at PJ's or something? I don't know if they call it a cortado, but it's a it's it's a double. Or you ordered a double, and the double was really four times the amount of caffeine. That makes yeah, no sense. I, I'm confused. So, cortado is just espresso with milk. It's just really it just means good. short. It means short. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm 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 a quarter of an inch underneath the average male height, so I am. I I can drink cortados basically. Yeah, no, I'm not. I wasn't saying that all of the consumers of cortados, Cameron, are cortado or car, cortadi. But, uh, <laughs> I was just saying that's all. That's literally all the drink means. So it must mean short and stout. It, it's it's short, but it packs packs power. Oh yeah. Okay. I would describe myself in that way. Thanks. Appreciate that. But I, I don't understand what else you said about the, the drink is a you ordered a double and you wound up with four times the caffeine. Hopefully, yeah, I think there's two shots in a single. I don't know. OK, well, people are really interested in this, though. This is important. Stuff. Any... This is this is cutting edge uh, rules for retrogrades. This is what we this is what we do. I will tell you that if you promise, as you have pledged to double the Latin mass attendance and instead you quadruple it, no one's going <laughs> to complain. That's right. By no. doubling Latin masses, we mean quadrupling. Of course. <laughs> but what, what did you think we meant? Right. Well, so, yeah, the video that you released yesterday makes bold claims. Yeah. Uh, short, stout, cortado styled claims. And I like it. What how do you plan to achieve this lofty goal? So we are building. um what we're calling the front porch of the Latin mass, which is a, a platform that people will go to if they have any questions, you know, it's the next step or the first step for anyone interested in the Latin mass. That's why we purchase latinmass.com. So in the future, when anyone's interested in anything to do with the Latin mass, they go here. And this platform has kind of a short term 
solution and a long-term solution. So we talked about branding a little bit, you know, so the last word I'll say on branding is like the more beautiful, winsome content we can push out there over the long-term, the more we're going to change the brand perception, but then there's the short term. So right now, Latin masses are rare and hard to find. So in the dioceses, so we're talking about just the green dioceses right now. We're not here to say, you know, disobey your bishop or go against the Pope or anything like that. We're just saying, okay, let's consider these green dioceses and let's consider these dioceses that have invoked Canon 87, which in some of these dioceses, like a priest can learn the Latin mass and celebrate it even publicly. Um, according to our research, if someone, you know, I'm not a Canon lawyer, we're, we're going to interview um, Father Gerald, Gerald Murray tomorrow, who is a Canon lawyer. So oh, yeah, Father Jerry. Yeah. Oh, Jerry, is it? Oh, well, that's what that's what Raymond Arroyo calls him all these years. Oh, OK. Calls him I, uh, I'm just using his proper name, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You were going like G- Geraldo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, you could call so, him Father Jerry. So anyways, we can we can just look at the dioceses that are positive or neutral towards the Latin mass or dioceses that have invoked Canon 87 and say, OK, what if we trained priests in these dioceses to offer the Latin mass? So in the in the example in our video, we said, okay, just considering the green dioceses, if we got one priest out of 20, one out of 20 in these dioceses to offer Latin Mass, then in America they would double. So that seems very reasonable to me that if we can train one out of 20 to celebrate Latin Mass, then Latin Masses would double. Um, now, how do you get them? How do you get a priest to be trained to learn it. Well, the first step is, is, is actually the branding is actually like unpacking the richness of the Latin mass. I think when priests see our Latin mass training, we're developing, they're going to be moved. The good priests, like the young, younger, you know, priests, they're going to be moved to want to celebrate the Latin mass. There's so much richness um, in the rubrics. Like one, one example, is why does the priest have his eyes downcast when he's processing or like at the altar? Why doesn't he look at you? And the reason for that is that when you think of a procession, there's two main processions in the Bible. There's the triumphal entry into Jerusalem where the king comes to Jerusalem, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, but he, he's coming to be crucified. And the other procession is when he's carrying his cross. So he is the suffering servant. So the processions in the mass aren't a time to see the face of Father Bob and to greet each other and that kind of thing. The reason for a procession is to remind us of the suffering servant who is our king coming to lay down his life for his church. There's so many little details like that that we're unpacking in our priest training that I think is going to first inspire a priest to want to learn it. We're also just there are priest trainings out there, but they're really unwieldy. They're, they're overly cerebral. They're not easy to follow. They don't really take you step by step. Well, they do take you step by step, but it's very heavy the way, the way it's done. We're going to make it easy step by step. So we believe with our training, a priest will want to learn the Latin mass and can easily be trained to, to offer it. And so I think it's reasonable that one out of 20 priests in these green dioceses will want to learn the Latin mass and can go through our training 
and learn it. And then that's in America. America has a lot of Latin masses, but consider a country that only has one or a few. Well, to double Latin masses isn't actually that big of a feat. And we're this isn't going to be overnight. This is going to be um, a slow process. But I will say these resources on our website, the short-term solution with these trainings and resources, making it easier than ever to build Latin mass communities, these will be available within the coming months. So this is this is something we're producing right now and pushing out very soon. That's excellent. I mean, that's that's genuinely exciting stuff. Would you clarify something for me, Cameron? Yep. In in the green dioceses where there's been no uh, perturbance or molestation of the ability by the bishop of priests to say the Latin Mass, not necessarily those that have invoked Canon eighty seven. Mm-hmm. I thought they were those ones, unless they're invoking 87, were I thought they were disallowed from training new young priests from saying the Latin Mass or opening up any new Latin Mass public time. Was I am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. So there there's two different issues. And this is we've talked to canon lawyers about this, trying to get things sorted. And I'm still I'm not an expert in it, but basically we're not even talking about new priests. So let's let's set that aside. So yes, right now traditionist custodia says a new priest needs authorization from the Vatican. Now some canon lawyers will say, well, it says elsewhere in traditionist custodis and elsewhere in church teaching that the bishop, I mean, I'll read the quote quote right here. Um it's from uh traditionist custodis. Um well, maybe I can't find it, but basically um that the bishop is the legislator the you know he allows or disallows the 1962 missile in his diocese i forget the exact wording but then elsewhere in tradition says a new priest needs permission so what happens if the bishop gives him permission and because he's the authority of his diocese contradicts what the holy see has said that there's confusing theories there and canon yeah. lawyers disagree on that. So yeah. let's let's just put that aside. The other issue you mentioned was um, so yeah, we're talking about the priests who are ordained before traditionist custodis with our one out of twenty number. So in dioceses that haven't invoked invoked canon eighty seven, you're right to say that they cannot start new no new groups. Now, I don't really know what new groups means. Um, There still needs to be more clarifications around, can a priest celebrate the Latin Mass in some of these dioceses? It really depends on the bishop. It depends on the bishop and permissions from the bishop. But this is where our work is cut out for us. So we know that 70% of bishops are positive or neutral to the Latin Mass. Most of these bishops have not invoked Canon 87. So we need to re-educate and encourage bishops um, that, you know, Canon 87 exists. <laughs> Maybe they don't know that exists. Right. And that their brother bishops are on the same wavelength as them, that most of them are positive towards the Latin Mass. That Vatican II teaches you're not the vicar of the Roman pontiff. And this part, you know, convincing these bishops, again, it's not going to happen overnight, probably not even in a year, within a decade or maybe for our children for our children's generation that i think we can move hearts of bishops 
and episode three is is geared towards this. That's our goal with episode three is to move the hearts of bishops to protect the Latin mass in their dioceses. What a noble, noble goal, truly. That's, that's I think, excellent for all of us to hear, can I just say. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, there, And I can see, I can see, I don't know how much you want me to say, but I can see knowing the, the little part I had to play in three, assuming my part, any of my parts make it in, how that would would uh, pollinate such a noble venture, you know, in, in, in its humble way to to actually turn around the hearts and the minds of the bishops who are really the ones making the decisions. I, I think episode three is going to be a watershed moment for Catholics, similar to episode two. After episode two came out, you notice that traditional Catholics have a new lexicon for how they speak about the reforms of the liturgy, uh, Vatican II, you know, the concilium. Episode three is going to be similar where um, we can no longer assume that the 62 missile is characterized by a rejection of Vatican II. That's just not borne out by the evidence. You know, right. you've done a great job with your shows, really influential on trads can accept Vatican II on the basis of the documents themselves. And I, I think most traditional Catholics, we're doing a worldwide survey, we're, we're developing that now, but we're right. going to find that most traditional Catholics are not rejecting Vatican II. Once they understand what that means, that Vatican II is, what do you say about the documents of Vatican II? Now, they might reject like the event or the intentions or the implementation or whatever, but they do not reject the documents of Vatican II. Most of them. Some of them do, sure. A small majority, a small minority would. But yeah, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a watershed moment for... Was it on your... On the debate I did with Tim on Mass of the Ages YouTube channel, well, I think I might have first rolled out the notion that traditional Catholics are running into sticking points with Vatican I as much or more as Vatican II. And this was really clear. I've been saying that privately before Traditionis Custodis came out. But I think I might have said it publicly for the first time on that debate. Like, you know, again, I'm not saying that 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 Catholics can or should uh, reject Vatican I or Vatican II because a Catholic can't reject and sh therefore shouldn't reject w Vatican I or II. But with one, it's in some sense, I'm not trying to change the whole trajectory about what we're talking about, but one is somewhat more understandable that there, there's vagary. I think there's vagary from one that was not weaponized. Vagary yeah. resulted because it was an 18-month or less council because the Franco-Prussian War broke out. And you have some big sweeping claims about the pontificate and what the pontificate, it's purview. And um, then I think I think a lot of the, the documents are fine from Vatican II, which is what's ratified in a constitution or as, you know, the text that appears under its four corners and those are all fine from vatican too but really i do think the the ambiguity there is weaponized do you agree that vatican one has sort of come under the uh we have to we have to look back to vatican one as well i think at some mm -hmm. later council there's clarity clarification that's needed from vatican's one and two yeah it reminds me of the you know principles of storytelling where you have the setup the upset and the reset so you know vatican one kind of set up 
you know, what problems we were going to see with uh, hyperpapalism. Yeah. Vatican II kind of upset the balance, and then we need a Vatican III or whatever you want to call it, Trent II or whatever, to reset things, to clarify things. So I, I agree with that. And one of, one of the consequences um, I've seen from Vatican I, particularly, is this idea that any of the Pope's intentions or anything the Pope believes must be my intentions or what I believe. So what's your opinion on the Latin mass? Well, what does the Pope think about it? And I need to be in union with the Pope, no matter what he says. And in, in the, in one of the uh, dubia for the uh, traditionis custodis was about advertising the Latin mass in the bulletin. <laughs> it's like, well, the Pope doesn't want us to advertise the Latin mass in our bulletin. Therefore we shouldn't advertise the Latin mass in our bulletin. Like this, in the, to my knowledge, in the history of the church, we haven't seen this kind of overzealous micromanagement of the yeah. papal office into the, you know, the, the parish level. So unbelievable, unbelievable, yeah. like microgement as uh, like <laughs> Scott called. Yeah, yeah, Un <laughs> didn't he actually put that? What, uh, is, what is another word for kind of a micro form of management? And then Jim says microgement. Microgement. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Touche. I was just going to say microgement before you said micromanagement. And then I was like, it would have been funnier to make <laughs> reference to it without right, making right. Wasn't that actually in uh, Traditionis Custodis, though? I haven't the looked bulletins? at this. The bulletin point. That is mean. He's no, a mean that was man. in the responsa uh, dubia. Oh, that was uh, in the response. By the so. way, that responsa that he issued to the dubia came within like two weeks as uh, Cardinal... Burke is is growing old and gray. I mean, I think mm. he was already relatively old and gray when he issued his dubia together with Walter Brandmiller. But two of the dubia cardinals have expired. They're and they've gone hopefully up to heaven, waiting for a response to their dubium, which is now uh, five years old. And I think didn't Francis respond to those traditionis custodes dubia like within two weeks? I don't know if it was two weeks. It was definitely very quickly to to imply that this wasn't um this was it was all the way i see it was and we can speculate like whatever um you know take this or leave it but a lot of the canon lawyers we've spoken to have have shown us that traditionist custodis is not a precise document no um, it needs to be interpreted you know in the strictest possible sense when it when it says a thing you that's how that's what it means. I think the response ad dubium or whatever it's called was a little bit of like, uh Oh, we need to clarify, say the things we should have said in the document. And it was a little bit of like, let's make a dubia so we can respond to it. Um, I think it was that sort of thing. Cause it did come out very quickly. You mind if I ask you a question in regard to mass of the ages too? Yeah. So, you you garnered some pushback that I think I pushed back against the pushback on your behalf from that excellent sequence, which showed all of the changes that were made, the really, really subversive revolutionary changes that were, in fact, made to the missile. And when you went from the 62 to the 70, um, would you care to just I, I think I took my best crack at it, but would you care to 
defend that portion of Mass of the Ages 2 that that really made such big waves in the Catholic well, what world. What was the criticism regarding that scene? Well, I I, don't, I can't remember who issued it, but it was it was a relatively mainstream criticism that you guys had, and I, 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 I'm in defense of you, so this isn't a gotcha question. I, I don't think you exaggerated one iotum, but that you'd exaggerated the, you know, some of the facts or misrepresented some of the facts mm. that that really lent to the portrayal of the 62 to 70 changes being as revolutionary as they were, and they were revolutionary. But I don't know. I, I well, thought the, you would. The only I thought criticism. You'd be that uh, comes to mind in that regard would be the quoting of Bunini uh, or the misquoting of Bunini, which uh, when you put Bunini's quote about, we must remove everything that could ev even remotely be a stumbling block mm -hmm. in context of the missile being crossed out, people thought that was misleading because in context, Bunini was talking about the uh, triduum prayers that uh the prayers i think it's on uh uh good friday anyways the so then but i mean the the crossing out of the missile that was all triple checked and every one of those things added or taken out is is 100 percent accurate so there's really no criticism we're just showing line by line what happened um with with the bunini quote that was just uh you can say it's out of context, uh, but it's even in context, it's it's damning um, to the sense of we, we get a window into Bunini's intentions, which is everything, whether it's a prayer or in the liturgy, should bend to ecumenism. Yeah. And that's a big problem where you're talking about the source and summit of the Catholic life, like our liturgical life. So, uh, yeah. It's out of context in as much as anything we say is out of context because it you need like whenever you quote scripture, it's in one sense out of context unless you read the entirety of it. But I, sure. yeah, I don't think it's out of context to be misleading. Um, I think it's accurate, um, even though it is slightly out of context. And yeah, you take some liberties with the phrasing of it because the way he phrased it was kind of confusing. So we're kind of trying to clarify it so people understand. But people can we put all the all the uh, references there. You can go look up any of those yourself. I mean, we, we burned them into the video. Like with normally even making a documentary, people wouldn't put their references on the actual video when you're playing it. You'd have to look them up later. So yeah, do your own research. I, I think people in in argumentation, especially around something they find precious like the liturgy, if their preconceived notions are challenged, they will look for the weakest point and attack the weakest point. They think of it as like a link of chains where you take down the weakest chain and the, everything falls apart. It's more like a, I've heard it described as a cumulative case or like a, a, a chain link of armor. Like if you take one chain off of a link of an, an armor, a link of armor, you're not destroying the rest of it. You can take one link off and the rest still stands. Of course. So pe people need to address the the not any individual change but the extent of the changes the perfect storm of changes that happened and when you see it all laid out with the with the orations being crossed out removed um the readings being excised and the the changes to the missile like 
it that's what people are shocked by is the extent of the changes can there have been this is overarching now can there have been good intent i'm not an intentionalist right i'm a textualist that's the whole basis by which i say look the vatican ii documents are are fine because i'm not i'm not a stanley fish intentionalist i'm a antonin scalia textualist but I don't think if I were to be an intentionalist, I would be with everyone else. It's like, this is all bad. I don't think there's a possible, reasonable, good intent behind those kinds of changes that you outlined in Mass of the Ages 2. I honestly don't. That doesn't mean that it's illicit change, though. What do you think? So you don't think there's good intentions behind any of the changes that happened? Well, any any is such a big word for three mm-hmm. letters. I just mean go <laughs> go to the Novus Ordo, listen to the mass that's being played because I you might never go. I I wind up a lot of weeks at my local Novus Ordo. It's so obnoxious, and I get so angry that I I'm just like, I, I this is evil. This is evil, and 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 it doesn't doesn't mean it's illicit, but it's it's evil. It's one of these things we're struggling with. How how can something? I don't know. I just I thought you'd you'd pick up on that. But well, uh, I I wouldn't say that the Novus Ordo is evil. Um, I think it the intent depend- behind it, the intent behind, it. and the songs okay. are. Evil. I think some some intentions behind it were malicious for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, the way I think about the Novus Ordo is not like a robber who comes to your house and steals our, all your things, because you know you can go to the Novus Ordo and get a lot of fruit from it. Some of the my most transformative experiences at mass were at a Nova Sorta. The problem is that it's it's kind of like a bad security system that lets the robber in. <laughs> it's like so much has been removed from it that it doesn't have the um, rubrical and reverential protections built into the into the ritual. So like we had a really good security system against irreverence against disbelief in the real presence that have been removed the strong catholicity about that was built into our liturgy has been removed so it's kind of like a bad security system that lets the robber into your house instead of a robber that comes to your house and actively attacks you i think it's more like a robber that breaks into your garage and steals your lamborghini okay. and leaves behind his yugo so he's like hey i just traded you out you know, what, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. A Yugo? Is that a car? Yeah, it's an old, it's an old crappy car. Yeah. See, your analogy needs to be more universal. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> How old are you, man? I thought we were, no, you're younger than me. Uh, what's it? I'm what's at least crappy? 33. See, they don't really make America, because I mean, like in the 80s, that was still a time when American craftsmanship was suffering from the melees of of the Jimmy Carter era. I wasn't born in that. I was born. Yeah, I'm a Reagan baby. But um, that they don't really make super crappy cars anymore. You look around on the the road, and all the cars are kind of nice. I sort of miss hmm. crappy cars. Don't you, you know what I mean, Steph? You were saying this the other day. You look around, and all the everyone's got a pretty nice vehicle. My first car was like the car Uncle Buck drives in the movie Uncle Buck. Yeah. And I it was the Beast Lord. Yeah, the Beast Lord. You had like an old Oldsmobile. I, I met Steph when she was 18. I, I never we had an Oldsmobile. Did you? See, that's yeah. what I mean. Crappy cars. A 94 Oldsmobile. Loved it. That's it why like you have driving a living bro. room around. <laughs> so that's precisely what a robber 
would break into your garage and steal your Lamborghini and leave behind. It, that's the Novus Ordo. It's your crappy uh, Cutlass. Your what's it called? The Oldsmobile okay. Cutlass. All right, let me let me build on your analogy. The Novus Ordo is a robber who breaks into your home, <laughs> but he doesn't take he doesn't destroy anything. So I'm not I'm not being that extreme. All he does is replace your furniture <laughs> with a bunch of beige furniture. He like paints your walls beige from IKEA. Yeah, he takes away like all the art. Yeah, um, and you can I mean it's still your house. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, can still, yeah. you can still like have fun in your house, I guess, or yeah. the analogy breaks down. I think <laughs> so I, I want this analogy to work. It's becoming <laughs> central to this channel over the last 30 seconds that this analogy <laughs> is made to work. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I think that um, what do you think of people? I've meant to ask you this before, Cameron. What do you think of all the, the Eastern right Catholics that are like, you know, they flee to the Eastern right. And then they're like, what are all you, what are all you Western right Catholics bitching about with the Novus Ordo? It's like, well, bro, like this is kind of, we're kind of Western, you yeah, know, yeah. and we're kind of stuck with this. I'm not some right hopper guy. I'm not a hopper guy. There are a lot of hoppers around who hop from this to that. I just, I'm here. I'm clear. I don't want any more bears in, in the Novus Ordo. <laughs> I, I just another Simpsons reference. Uh, I changed a word though. I don't know. What do you think of those guys? Because it's like I mean the Eastern. Well, here, rights... Here's where the analogy finally works. So yes, <laughs> the Eastern Rite Catholic wants you to leave your house because it has new furniture in it. You're like, this is my home. Like right. I am. I am a Western Catholic. I am a Roman Rite Catholic. Um, so, so I want to buy new furniture. And because I love, I love my house and my home. This is where I have my memories. No, um, I want to refurbish my old furniture because of all that stuff you said, right? Yep, my IKEA furniture. Yeah. <laughs> well, the IKEA furniture that 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 thief named Bunini that that he didn't break in. I accidentally left my garage unlocked, <laughs> walked in, and he replaced all the furniture, and it was a, an act under the auspices of Lyseity. Yeah, so, because he brought a he brought a bunch of priests with him to build the IKEA furniture. Yep, and they and blessed. They it. can build furniture however they want. This isn't even an analogy anymore. This is exactly what happened. <laughs> Eventually, Literally. we're going to explain exactly what happened. <laughs> um, I yeah. So this is just I all I can say, man, is God bless you guys. You're doing great work, and I think it's the the perfect. Uh, set of films for the time what you've done with one and two which how which of those has been more viewed by the way one uh two two how, well, yep. how many times has two been viewed uh 1.4 million or how, close to 1.5 great how about one 1.2 okay nice yeah two 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 is um splashier punch yeah it's flashier yeah yeah. Well, great, great work. Was it, did you have anything else you wanted to um, get out there? Cause I, yeah, I, want... I, I think the traditional Catholic, um, how would I say like the, the temptation maybe for a traditional Catholic is not towards naiv naivety, naivete. It's mm -hmm. towards pessimism and mm -hmm. even despair. It's leaning into 
kind of a hopeless position. And I want to mm -hmm. say that if you believe, this is what I want to say to people to kind of wrap up. If you believe that God is behind the Latin mass movement, well, do you believe that? That God is behind the Latin mass movement? I definitely do. Then he is going to restore the liturgy, whether it's the 1962 missile or a more refined version of the 62 missile. He's going to be the one ultimately to restore it. You know, yep. it's easy for God to turn the ship around. He can do it. He can give Pope Francis a vision tonight, like, but with a snap of his fingers, it would be easy for God to, to, to convert hearts, to move bishops' hearts. But God tends to use people like us in his mission. So if you believe that God is behind the Latin mass movement, he's going to restore the liturgy, then don't lose hope because yes, we might have to suffer for a time. It might even get harder, but at the end of the day, maybe for our children, the, the, traditional liturgy will be fully restored in the future. Beautiful. I say this all the time, by the way. I'm like, I don't think the Novus Ordo is going to survive the 21st century. And people are like, oh, have you seen all the papabile? And it's just, how can you say that? I'm like, yeah. I'm not saying I can map out the path like yeah. a campaign manager. I don't know. I just believe in what you just said thoroughly. And that's because I believe God's in charge of the Latin mass movement because I believe it's better. It's the first principle of practical reason, right? Do, do the good, avoid evil. And so I think you're exactly right. So this, this I think, would help people not to be so dour. And yeah. also, folks, use so – not everyone out there needs it, but use head and shoulders. It takes care of that dandruff on the suit. <laughs> the suit is where the dandruff shows up sometimes. And um, it does no good to be snotty about people wearing hoodies when your own suit yeah, be nice. My goodness. Yeah. No, thank, thank you so much, Cameron, for coming on. Thank you for these films. And I'm excited for three. When can we expect three to make its uh, debut? Uh, we released a video. Um, uh, oh, I forget what it's called, but it, it's like an hour long. I just answer a bunch of, bunch of questions. You can find it in the description of our most recent video. It's an okay. update on episode three. You can get a... But the gist is we don't have a release date yet. The stories that we're following are still unfolding, but we that doesn't mean we're not working on it. We're, we're editing it right now, putting the pieces together, but a documentary is an evolving thing. So just be patient. You know, we're not gonna release something that's, that's just a B plus, you know, we're gonna release something that's excellent and it's gonna, it's gonna you know, send shockwaves around the world. That's, that's titillating, but, but, but uh, also confusing. <laughs> well, how about 2023 can we expect it the uh, likely are... yeah likely okay well they're titillated and, and less i mean i i yeah. wish i had a release date for myself for myself to get excited about like yeah. i don't know if there's anyone in the world who wants it out sooner than i want it out um but uh to to say a release date and then we get two months to that release date and something big happens in the church yeah, uh, we want to be able to cover it. So, but hard at work on it, putting the pieces together. It'll be out when it's ready. Last question: Synod on synodality. They, they're responding to us Latin Mass people is one of the four stated goals. Does that worry you? Is this one of the news items you're you're kind of watching the skies for? Yeah, to be honest, um, I do have a lot of concerns. Uh, I, I too struggle with you know uh kind of a hopeless tendency like pessimism um in the end i mean when i look beyond that i i have pure hope 
God's going to vindicate his church. But yeah, I just certainly have, have worries about it. I, you know, if, if the narrative can be controlled by <laughs> the synod of synodality people and their social media channels and, and the Pope's statements on it, then yeah, maybe, maybe they'll win with the narrative, but I, I we want to take back control of the narrative. We want to show the the true face of tradi- the traditional Catholic movement, and that's what we're we've done with one and two, and we're going to continue to do with three and LatinMass.com. God bless you guys. Where can people go to support your work, or like financially, if if that's what people want to do? I, I appreciate that, and thanks for thanks for asking because I know you're raising support as well. Um, so people can go to LatinMass.com/slash/give. So it's our current old website. We haven't built the new website yet, but you go to latinmass.com slash give. You can see the website we're building, watch the video, and then you can give. You know, without regular monthly support, this mission, this big, big mission won't happen. So we just, we're asking for regular monthly contributors, but definitely welcome one-time gifts as well. So it's latinmass.com slash give. And you can get some perks. In, in return. <laughs> awesome. That's per- perks are great. Perquisites. Uh, thank you so much, Cameron. Everyone out there, thanks for watching today. I hope this was helpful to you. I'm I'm excited for Mass of the Ages 3 to come out, and I'm excited it, sincerely for the work that you guys are doing extracurricular to just making the films. Now, people out there, if you want to support this channel, the first thing you can do is to subscribe to the channel please even if you don't leave your comment i like cookies or whatever just like and subscribe this video and the channel respectively because we're, we're trying to get to forty thousand subscribers by the end of the year that would really help us immensely also if you want to financially support go to timothy j gordon at patreon we need that support too to keep the lights on and of course to support yourself and your family Get out of your blue state. Get to a red state today. Go to realestateforlife.org. God bless you all. Cameron, thanks for appearing today. Give Jake my best. And I will see you again soon, my friend. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.